We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. NBA most valuable player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am Ty Windish, one of your hosts, and I am joined as always by my resilient co-host, Rohan Kadi. My man is fully vaxxed as of yesterday, today, yesterday, and feeling yesterday. feeling the brunt of it right now. Rohan, how's it going? Are you an anti-vaxxer yet? No, and I'm glad you actually <laughs> mentioned this because uh, it gives me an opportunity to say something. If any of you listening out there uh, have any questions, you're wondering what's actually going on. Is this vaccine safe? Is it effective? I can do my best. Hit me up. I will do my best to try to give you the most relevant information that I can and uh, try to you know, sort of answer any questions that you have. I am not a medical professional yet, but I can direct you to credible sourced information. If you do have any questions, please feel free to hit me up. I love this. Just for the people, Rohan, spreading spreading the good word about the vaccine. I'm a big fan of this. I'm, I'm halfway there. I'm hoping to join you next month. Uh, and then hopefully sometime after that, literally join you when we're fully vaxxed. Yeah. Someday we can, we can meet safely, finally, now that we're you know, making progress, I'll say. Live this pod pandemic. for the finals, question mark? Oh, now you're talking my language. Uh, well, will the Bucks get to the finals? Let's see. A big step in dictating how far the Bucks go will be, you know, how high can they raise their own ceiling this season? There's no more major roster moves left to be made. The Bucks have the pieces they're going to have, except pretty much, mostly, almost all of them. So, Austin Rivers is a nugget. Yeah, for at least 10 days. Um, but is it a 10-day? I thought it was a 10. I could be wrong. I thought it was a 10-day. Regardless, the Bucks need to figure out how to get the most out of those pieces. So the subject of today's podcast is what we want to see most from the Bucks down the stretch. If you're thinking to yourself, Ty, that was one of your best segues ever, I would agree. I would agree. Very proud of that one. But Rohan, I'll start with you. We can kind of go back and forth here. The Bucks have a handful of games left, playoffs starting in May, not a ton of time to finish tuning up, and clearly they need some tune-up. The Bucks have not played great basketball against strong opposition this season. What are you looking to see as we get closer to these playoffs? I'm glad you mentioned the uh, not playing well against good teams. I think it was Matt Moore at HP Basketball on Twitter who pointed out, using cleaning the glass data, that the Bucks are now 0-4 against teams that rank in both top 10 in offensive and defensive efficiency. It's a little misleading. It's just Utah and Phoenix. 
but given that. Uh, yeah, I know. It's they lost to Utah by, by, to Phoenix by one point twice and got blown out by a good Jazz team. It's it's a good stat. They're still below five hundred. I think, ironically, against teams above five hundred. So I think that that to me paints more of a picture than two tough matchups doing well, yeah. numbers against the Bucks. Yeah, that's fair. What I was trying to sort of illustrate is that your point is that they are seemingly struggling against good yes. teams. And one thing, the what prompted us to really talk about this, uh, what we want to see down the stretch is uh, obviously Monday's game against Phoenix. Uh, it has its own issues. Uh, I'll say a that. A mess. A mess. An absolute mess of a game. That's a great way to put a it. A debacle. Debacle. How else can we uh, objectify A this? fluster cuck. Incredible. Um, <laughs> it was it was a tough game, but it did sort of prompt the question like, how are the Bucks executing down the stretch? Because that's one thing I was personally just looking at as we only have now 15 regular season games left for Milwaukee. And you mentioned up top, there's not a lot of time left for, you know, the Bucks to sort of shore themselves up for the playoffs, get them to flip that switch, as you as you will say sometimes. But that's one thing I was looking for. And I guess we have a couple more things we want to look at. And one thing that was brought up again in that Phoenix game was a uh was a PJ Tucker lineup because we haven't seen a lot of we haven't seen a lot of that. Given he has been injured, he's missed like what was it, six games with a calf strain, I believe. I think so. He's basically he's nearly missed as many Bucks games as he's played, or maybe he has missed as many as he's played at this point. I think he's logged seven games so far. So yeah, he uh was out of the lineup for quite a while with that calf strain though. Yeah, so we don't have a large sample size yet, but I feel like last night's game was the best opportunity to really see, um, last night as we're recording this, I should say, uh, best opportunity to see how P.J. Tucker would fit with the closing fives. And unfortunately, we did not get another large sample for that. Yeah, um, Brooke Lopez was out there uh, as the compliment to Giannis in the front court for all but the last, what, minute 06, I think it was, when PJ checked in, a minute and something. So, obviously, crunch time is a little bit longer than w- literally one minute, however you want to define it for, you know, pulling stats. But, you know, this was a close game in the fourth quarter that the Bucks had, I think, a seven-point lead with several minutes to go. And up until that last, very last minute, Brooke Lopez was out there. PJ Tucker was not. The Bucks bled points in those minutes CP3 absolutely just demolishing Milwaukee's defense by getting around his man on a screen and then just eating in the mid-range, which are very comfy looks for him. Brooke Lopez obviously is not equipped to do a whole lot about that, and it was bad. Brooke Lopez was getting eaten alive. P.J. Tucker finally comes in, and the Bucks are able to make it to overtime despite uh, a whole nother bullet point we'll get to later, late game execution or, or final minute execution, which is maybe the biggest concern for the Bucks, and that's saying something. But yeah, we did not get enough P.J. Tucker in a matchup that really felt kind of perfect for him because the Suns are so perimeter-oriented. Perimeter you know, if it was the Nuggets or, you know, uh, the Sixers, maybe you're worried as good as PJ is, like Joel Embiid is just too big. You know, Jokic might just be too big. The Suns are going to play entirely through Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And, you know, Aiton's going to do what Aiton does. Giannis can guard Aiton. PJ Tucker was was okay guarding him. You're not, the Suns aren't going to hunt that mismatch at all. It's not really a mismatch. So it was just such an obvious move to put in Tucker and it took the Bucks. Mike Budenholzer, so long to do it, one could argue it cost them that game. You really could argue that it cost them that game. Like you mentioned, they bled points. And Chris Paul was absolutely doing things to Brooke Lopez. <laughs> like Chris Paul is a master of snaking a pick and roll. And when you're putting a lumbering center out there like Brooke Lopez, he will use him as an offensive screener. Like He will use the defender as an offensive screener. And we saw that aplenty. He was, like, sometimes you just have to tip your cap, respect him, because... That's just incredible. That's like Chris Paul is going to do that against most players, most teams. But you're not helping when you're really giving him a specific avenue to do so, which is why this game ended up being the way it was. And it ended up being an overtime game when they easily, easily could have won it because we saw we saw when P.J. Tucker was put in that it was all right. It was all right. Not much of that uh, sort of uh, pick and roll defense was it wasn't hampered. It was actually enhanced by putting PJ in there because you want to say, oh, 
deceptively long Brooke Lopez is going to be able to do. I'm not calling you out in specific, specifically. I just wanted to use that. It's such a fun phrase. It's such a fun phrase. Uh, but he can actually move uh, a yeah. bit more than Brooke Lopez. So you see those sort of actions uh, with PJ in there rather than Brooke. And you see them sort of, you know, work out better for Milwaukee. And I don't know. It's just hopefully, hopefully going forward, this is actually like a point of evidence that they can say, oh, we saw this. Maybe we should use this more. It works because if they're going with the topic or the the mindset, I should say, of this is the regular season as a test, use it. Use it as a test. If yeah. Next game, show up, especially like against a good team like the Sixers, given like you mentioned earlier, um, PJ might not have like the greatest matchup out there with Embiid, but, you know, see what happens. Just, Just be more reactive. In yes, general, exactly, um, exactly. Be reactive instead of trying to be proactive and using your own scheme uh, because just, it clearly was not working. It's just they just ended up being inactive. But I think you know, for for the purposes of this pod of what we want to see, we want to see more PJ. So you know, again, the next two games against Philly, maybe not the best time to see a ton of it, but especially more PJ Tucker in the closing lineups with specifically Drew, Chris, and Giannis, and. I don't want to get in a whole debate about the fifth guy. Let's just say Dante for now. It's probably going to be Dante. You know, I think you could make some compelling cases that I would very much listen to for a few other players, but let's just say Dante. That part I'm a little less interested in, especially for this conversation. The main takeaway, let's see more PJ Tucker in these big situations, especially if the Bucks are looking to switch and do not need mammoth Brooke Lopez to body up a big guy. And we've seen... I mean, even then in some situations, like we've seen Giannis play some incredible defense on Nikola Jokic. Like you could make the case that even against Philly, like make Giannis try and guard Embiid and and PJ can take some shifts and still get out and be able to switch and recover and everything else. I think Philly is just such an extreme case because you get to uh, quote unquote guard Ben Simmons as well. So it makes it a little easier to sneak Brooke Lopez out there, but that said, over the stretch run against especially non-Philly teams, really everybody against Philly, considering you're not going to see Denver again unless you're literally in the finals, let's see P.J. Tucker out there closing games. And this moves to something else on our list here. Maybe let's see some more switching. The Bucks yeah, have sure. switched more. Like, clearly, we all know this from watching. The data backs it up. I've shared it before per a league source. I'm so fancy. Um, but... They they are. They just are. I'd like to see it even more. I, and I just think, you know, the zone is what it is. We It's hard to get too mad because we've yelled repeatedly about how we want to see more things. And I think that is – we do. It is a thing. So uh, Yes, that's definitely true. You could probably talk me into just wanting to see switching and no zone. Like I I don't I, love uh, the zone. I don't I, love zone the against, zone. Zone against maybe a team like Philly. Would work better. Yeah, I suppose. Especially when you have like uh, a guy like Ben Simmons out there. That'd make things a lot easier. We'll see. Yeah, it would. But you could just double too. I, regardless, like I just want to see even more switching. Like I, I think switching and, and rotating too. I feel like the Bucks, as evidenced by the breakdown of the Mikhail Bridges three, which has been the talk of Twitter over the last day or so. The Bucks don't usually rotate smartly. So, you know, maybe the help defense looks even worse than it is because Nobody is rotating over to help the helper. Uh, in this case, it might have been helping the helper, helper, whatever it was. There was no rotation. Five bucks end up, you know, within 10 feet of each other in the paint. Two and a half shooters are open. And if you look back, DeAndre Ayton still probably would have gotten the offensive rebound if uh, Devin Booker had shot in that particular situation. So I just think I want to see the bucks just be able to guard shooters and players on the perimeter better, whether it's getting the switching down even more or getting better at, and actually, and we need both and getting better about rotating and just taking away those open threes. Cause I do feel like every huge run the bucks have gone on has been partially because on defense, they just didn't give up a ton of open threes and it just makes such a dramatic difference for this team. For sure. For sure. Like one of the, main benefits of switching is that you don't have to get into rotation correct realistically unless you're trying to scram switch or something like a big mismatch in the post then it could you know sort of get dicey but just on its face that's the main purpose of switching because you're not letting any defenders get any space uh 
off of a off of a on ball or off ball screen so you don't need to help <laughs> like that's that's the main point you don't need to like shadow help or shadow double or anything so you don't need to get into rotation so that's why another thing is like if you're going to switch more which they should another thing is you need to lay off the help defense when you're switching uh if they those two cannot work together whatsoever because it'll just break it'll just yeah. break completely so if you are going to be switching i'm going to be watching for more like i guess less help defense in that regard less shadow doubles yeah you can tell i watch a lot of bucks because i like confused them in my mind as i was talking because milwaukee's defense has been so muddled at times but yeah and i just i don't know do we want to see any drop anymore it works against some teams. Yeah, so I, I, I think I think that's scheme. the answer. I t- Does it? It it works as a base scheme. You just can't use it when you're sort of playing to catch up or playing to get ahead, and and you're trying to go on a run. That doesn't really work. It's like switching is a lot more intense in terms of actual defensive energy and stuff like that. So you can't really do it all the time. Like the best example of that is like the the Warriors death lineup. Like uh, a main argument is why don't they just start that? Why didn't they just start that? Uh, some might say, why do you just play Anderson Verge out to begin with? But I'm not Steve Kerr. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, So I can't answer that question. But the reason they can't just start that is because that's very, very tiring. You cannot do that for 48 minutes. So as a base scheme, I would say drop, it still, it still can be effective. It just can't, it can't be there when you're sort of uh, either clearly at a disadvantage with that drop scheme, or you're sort of playing to get a lead or you're playing from behind. Fair. Yeah. I, I agree that there should, they should still drop when it's correct to do. I just the thing yeah, about you shouldn't, scheme, you shouldn't just do it to do it. Like yes. you should do it if it makes sense. Yeah. Like, but you, you can't just go full switch all the time. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. I agree. I agree. And I can't believe you're selling me on drop and on zone on the same podcast. I feel like your your defensive takes might be unpopular this episode. But uh, it's fine. I, I think I agree. I mean, we wanted the variety, so let's get the variety. I'm just I'm not super sold on the zone, but I'm okay with it. But I the do. The zone needs some work. The, the zone, zone really needs some work. It does unless need some until work. we see it actually be effective in certain matchups, and we don't see just Brook Lopez just lunging from like under the rim to uh, a corner shooter. Don't do it unless you can fix that, please. Or you have different personnel out there. Like just please. Yes, definitely agree with you on that one. Um, what else do you want to see? Where do you want to go from here? I feel like there's a couple different places. We have stuff on our sheet. I think we're probably going to start thinking of things not on our sheet as well. What's top of mind for you that we haven't already covered on what you want to see from the Bucks down the stretch? Well, I mean, I think I just hinted at it a little bit in terms of I need to see more lineup versatility. 
Yeah. In terms of the center rotation, like if you're running zone, you can't have Brooke Lopez out there. You got to have Bobby Portis out there or Giannis at center or PJ Tucker at center. It just cannot be Brooke Lopez. And I doubt it's going to be PJ Tucker because we've seen him sort of his discontent with sort of just being a defensive guy who just runs on the court. And fair enough. Why would you want to do that? <laughs> but like, uh, especially because he's he's still like an undersized player. He's what, six six, I think? Six six or six five, yeah. Small. So yeah, very small. So even that doesn't really fix the the running problem because it's not like he has an enormous wingspan to sort of cover, even though he's more mobile than Brook Lopez, you sort of fall into the same trap there. So maybe a guy like a Bobby Portis or like just Giannis at center. I guess those are your really only two options unless you want to throw the Nassus out there, which is a viable option in my opinion. Uh, so yeah, we just need more front court versatility in terms of lineups. Yeah, I, I Bobby Portis has just been compelling to me lately. Like I think about Bobby Portis a lot. There's a clip from Bobby Portis. <laughs> um, probably unhealthy, but who knows? Uh, probably not the most unhealthy part of of doing a Bucks podcast, but. Portis is just like I, – I don't know if we even talk about the upside enough of like a fully – a perfectly used Bobby Portis given what he can do on the offensive end and the way he shoots the basketball. Like if you're running a lot of zone and he's comfortable and able to – I don't want to say thrive but survive and, and the same with switching – like I think there's so much upside there that we kind of are missing. And we've talked about diminishing returns and all that on the last pod. Go listen to the last pod, but or two pods ago, whichever it was. I don't remember. I think it was um, last one. It was last one. It was locker room. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, but I do think there is potential there. And I would like to see, like you're saying, this lineup versatility and sort of this question that I, I've seen talked about on Twitter as well, like, is the is Bud's rotation uh, merit, merit? Oh, I still can't say it. Is it, de- is it determined by merit or not? And I think those things go hand in hand, right? Like who is the best fit for the scheme and who's like been playing the best against that opponent that game or just on, on an individual night. And I do think like those things are kind of hand in hand and I'd like to see some better decisions made and that, you know, adapt the personnel to the scheme a little bit as much as you can at this point in the season. For sure, for sure. You can't really have it the other way around where you sort of adapt the scheme or adapt the scheme to fit the personnel because you do have so many options. That's the that's the big talking point when you get a guy like PJ Tucker and you have a guy like Bobby Portis already on the team and Giannis, obviously. So you have the versatility. So you don't need to build a scheme around players. You need to have players and build schemes around them. Yeah. And just, you know, have the right players out there for the right schemes. Like Exactly. We that's, love that was our main gripe with the Warriors game that they lost is why it wasn't Bobby Portis out there. Like that's something I want to see more is more reactive lineup changes. And even and even then you can even be more reactive and go, oh, Bobby was playing great and Brooke Lopez is getting eaten alive. Let's not drop it all for the rest of this game. Let's let's go to switching now because that's going to be much better for Portis than if we ask him to play drop and he somehow like drops in a different dimension. Which is plausible out there with Bobby Portis and Trump. Second violation. Also, I'm that. he hasn't done that yet. Honestly, I think he's caught one before. Has he? Yeah. Oh, probably. Um, but maybe I'm not. Not to. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Um, my my favorite Bucks inexplicable mistake that happens way too often. I think Thanasis has to lead the league by like a bajillion percentile or be in the first percentile in or one hundredth in basket interference. My guy was on a run where he probably got three or four within a week and he's been better since, but he's still every time, every time he jumps and is like really close to basket interferencing on a buck shot. And it's like, you know, most of the time it probably doesn't matter, but please be careful with Anassis. I mean, how else are you going to get those massive putback dunks? You know, it's, you know, listen, you cannot knock the hustle, but sometimes you can. And this is one of those times. Please be a little more careful. There's one, a minor thing I want to see. No more than NASA's basket interference. But let's talk about late game execution. We, okay. we, we don't just want to see this. We need to see this going down the stretch because whatever it is, player side, coaches side, personnel, whatever, it's just been atrocious. I cut together two of the most embarrassing clips from the ends of basketball games that you will find and put them to yakety sacks and tweeted them from the Eurostep pod account at Eurostep podcast. Follow it. Follow it. 
They happened within two weeks of each other. The Warriors game catastrophe where I don't know what happened with the inbounds pass. Chris gets blocked by Wiggins. Pat Connaughton takes a backyard like heading inside, but want to take one more shot kind of shot. And it doesn't go in and the Bucks lose. And then the Suns thing that, I mean, this one was mostly eh, a lot, largely on Giannis for just like, you know, maybe, maybe don't just try and ISO straight up and, and make it life harder than it has to be. But or like not even that, just just don't trip over your own feet. Yeah, also that. I mean, it's like it, it was sad. It, it was I just saw sad. that. And I just face palmed. It was. I was I like, just, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> and it was just. It, and again, that's not like you can't you can't blame Bud because Giannis tripped, right? Like that's that's a lot out of the control. But it's just like I just feel like this team has late game deficiencies that we see far too often, and it feels like. They're so susceptible to blowing leads in the last five minutes because their shot selection is poor and they apparently cannot script and then execute a last play to save their lives. And I don't feel like they usually have the right personnel involved in these things. And it's just an issue. And I need to see a late game closed out successfully before the playoffs if I'm going to believe that this Bucks team has a run in them. Yeah, for sure. I think the one piece of evidence we do have in terms of the Bucs actually executing late is the first game against Philly. where Without Giannis, Embiid. Yeah, without Embiid, obviously. Yeah, like so. Dwight Howard drop off to Embiid is it's it's pretty substantial. Yes, uh, <laughs> it's fair to say. Um, but yeah, just Giannis putting that game away, that's going to be obviously more difficult against Embiid. But that's what we've seen. That's like the one game where you can point to and it's like, oh, okay. Okay, so they can do this. Like that's just Giannis being Giannis in that sort of regard. One thing I just I just thought of this uh, when I was watching that play where Giannis sort of got the isolation. So Chris got the rebound, the defensive rebound, I think, or was it off a mid basket? I can't remember. He was bringing the ball up before he passed it to Drew Holiday, who just immediately just passed it off to Giannis, and it was like, okay, this is Giannis time. Is that the right call? See, I defended it the last Suns game that he ended up taking the shot, but I don't think it's the universal right call. But now is a good time to get into a discussion with these numbers I pulled up that didn't surprise you, which kind of shocked me because I was surprised. But Giannis, you know, I think there's all these other stupid conversations happening now, right? Of like, oh, it's because he's not a closer and he can't, he's not that. Shut up. I I don't care about that conversation right now. It's it's completely based in narrative and not fact. Shots to Ramona Shelburne. (laughs) Um, I I was like half laughing and almost turned into a cough. But I think, I do think getting Giannis off ball more or just at least involved in actions more is the right call there. I I don't think an ISO for this team and and these these personnel ever is going to be the right call when you can put defenses in a tough position, getting Giannis and Chris or Giannis and Drew involved in actions together and just open up more possibilities and make it harder for defenses. So in that avenue, I would say, no, it's not the right call to have Giannis ISO, not because he's not a closer or doesn't have ice in his veins or any of that stupid nonsense, but just because like you have resources, you're not using like go watch the play. Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton were accomplishing nothing. They weren't even really spaced out from the other players on the floor that well. Like there was nothing. It was of just value. a straight bunch ISO. It was but, it was yeah. schoolyard. It was just like uh, I like he literally could have yelled ISO ISO like you and your buddies on your street when you want to prove a point. And it, it was that's what happened. That's literally what happened. But so saying this, I went to go pull the numbers because I wanted to specifically talk about how bad of a decision that was as opposed to getting Giannis moving in pick and roll. turns out the data says it's not a bad decision. The data backs up what happened. Unbelievably, Giannis scoring 1.06 points per possession in ISO. Very good this season. Like actually a really strong and, and completely contrary to the narratives out there. Like he's done really well just sizing up his man and going. And we've seen it. Like we know he can do that. That's why defenses need to load up against him because if yes. you just go one-on-one, you're toast. <laughs> and sh- it's kind of shockingly, like Phoenix didn't really get help there, which really surprised me given how bunched it felt like the rest of the shooters were on the floor. Like they probably should have just sent help, but they didn't. So if Giannis Wait, doesn't fall the, over. When's the last time a team has played Giannis straight up? Can you think of it just off the top of your head? Um, Not really. Because no one does it. You can't. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it doesn't work. Um, it really doesn't work. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great call. But so 1.06 points per possession in isolation, 1.01 points per possession for Giannis Atetokounmpo as a role man this season, despite the Bucks adding shooters to space those actions more and adding Drew Holiday, who should theoretically be a perfect ball handler to pair with him with a much tighter handle and more ability to score, um, you know, around the basket than Chris Middleton. You said you're not shocked by this. Explain your thoughts on Giannis not being that good in pick and roll this season. Well, it's, it's twofold. One, it's not used nearly as uh, much as it should be. There's not uh, as much of a sample as there probably should be in that regard. So numbers are going to fluctuate when there's not, you know, a large N or sample. Um, Also, when you're running a pick and roll defense uh, against like a, a Drew Giannis, a Chris Giannis pick and roll, the defense is going to go to Giannis and that yeah. leaves uh, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, whatever ball handler you want to use open. And so they get the points. <laughs> That's what happens. They sort of score in that regard and either they can miss it or they can make it or like obviously, but uh, it's sort of out of Giannis's hands. Now it's sort of a, uh, like the ball handler is sort of playing against the defense, not Giannis, because the defense loads up against Giannis. So that's why you're probably not seeing a lot of you know, a lot of Giannis being efficient as a role man because the defense is going to load up against that rather than at with the ball handler. Yeah. He's also been turning it over a lot in those looks, 13.5% of the time. But to your first point, guess how many role man possessions Giannis has this season? According to NBA stat stats. So if they're wrong, blame the NBA, not us. Um, I don't even know where to start. In 49 games, to give you that number as a base. 49 games? Let's say 80. 74. Ooh. Okay. 74. That's a win. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's really close. So frequency-wise, as a percentage of his plays, I believe is what that number is, it's like 5.9%, 6%. So it's barely a part of Giannis's shot diet. He's third on the Bucks in total possessions as a role man. Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis both have more. Bryn Forbes is fourth at 32. I'm guessing. I'm guessing some of these DHOs are getting logged as uh, yeah, Bryn Forbes or just role a, man. or just an inverted pick and roll with Giannis. Yeah, but that's just hilarious to me. And Forbes is actually uh, scoring more points per possession than Giannis. Do you, I think I tweeted it? But do you want to know who's first on the Bucks in this? It only 12 possessions, so it doesn't really count. But it's funny. 12 possessions for what? Uh, for as a role man, but who's first in points per possession. So it's a very small sample, but they're first in efficiency. Is it Chris? Pat Connaughton. Of course it is. Pat scoring 1.58 points per possession, Ooh. zero turnovers, shooting free throws. And I kind of get it. Like Pat has the hops people think Dante has. Like I feel like, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I I see it. I get it. I see the vision. Uh, Chris actually has been pretty bad too. 1.09. Uh, points per possession as a role man so not great but yeah it's just like even in a year where we talk about the bucks are trying more things and and doing more they're still not doing this a bunch which is very disappointing because like we saw you know teams are going to be ready for the isos you mentioned it no one's going to play on straight up and in the playoffs when you have so much time to prepare for each matchup Nobody is going to play Giannis straight up. It's not going to happen. So you need to figure out more than just the ISOs. The fact that the Bucks have run 74 possessions of Giannis as a role man this season is greatly disappointing to me. You couldn't get two per game he plays, really? You'd be at just about 100. Two per game. That's not a lot. Considering the Bucks will let Brooke Lopez take 45 seconds, somehow not shot clock violation possessions, spinning around in the post and lumbering and trying to draw contact, take out one of those per game and make it an additional Giannis pick and roll. Like, there's no reason not to do that. And yet, here we are, yet again, having to wonder what the fully optimized Giannis's role man experience is. Because we barely ever see it. That's true. That's true. You want to know? This is what I just thought. I don't have the data to back this up yet, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll find it and I'll tweet it out after. Um, the team that is best suited to not or to play Giannis straight up is Philly, right? With Embiid and and Simmons, yeah, taking off. Yeah. What yeah. team does Giannis go off against? Philly. Yeah. Yeah. Wonder if those two are correlated. 
Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I mean, that's and that I think is another reason that the Philly series probably bodes well. But um, yeah, I think the Bucks need to figure out this Giannis as a roller thing because against the non-Philly teams who are going to just build the barriers, you need you. ways to get around that. And, you know, DHOs are part of it and like getting players moving off screens and off ball. But Giannis is going to have the ball. I'm glad the isolations are going well. But this Roman thing is going to be really important. I think we've touched on this before of like, you know, as great as he is, probably long run, his most productive play, I think, is going to be a dangerous ball handler initiating actions with him and him rolling to the rim, able to catch lobs, which doesn't happen nearly enough, clean up misses if if the player gets, uh, you know, uh, an open jumper and doesn't sink it. So that is disappointing. What's wild is Giannis's efficiency on the other end of pick and rolls. Is it 91st percentile Giannis as a ball handler and pick and rolls 1.07 points per possession. So Giannis initially, and again, these numbers are probably cloudy with some DHOs and other stuff, but they, like you mentioned earlier, the inverted pick and rolls with like Brent Forbes, those plays are working really well. Nobody on the team is more efficient than Giannis running a pick and roll. And I think, uh, let me go to totals here. He's actually done that more than he's rolled this season, according to NBA it, stats. It, it makes sense because that's a just a broken play for the defense. You can't do anything realistically about it. You just have to pray that the shooters miss. Because if you're yeah. properly spaced out and you get a uh, uh, you get the big that's guarding Giannis on the screen, and you're switching like trying to catch up to that with a smaller guy as it's an inverted pick and roll, who's trying to both cover Giannis and get back to the shooter, unless you're just rotating machines. And which we've seen in the past, uh, it's not going to work. You're going to find an open look somewhere. So I that does not surprise me at all. Yeah, only three players have initiated more pick and rolls than Giannis. The order, the the, yeah, 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 on the team. The order of these players in efficiency is exactly what you would expect. Is it Drew, Drew, Chris, Giannis? No, oh, Giannis is the highest. But outside of Giannis, the other three guys, it's Drew, Chris, Dante. Ah, okay. So Drew, Drew, honestly, pretty disappointing. 78th percentile in ball handler points per possession, 0.99. So like less efficient than all of the honest plays, which I guess that part makes sense, but not all that good. Drew Holiday. Yes. Sorry. Hot take. Um, (laughs) Hot take from us. Uh, Chris Middleton, 0.94, 68th percentile. And Dante, 0.84. 44th percentile. Dante has ran 120 pick and rolls this season. Has he really? Barely any of them have been good, apparently, uh, according that to does not the numbers. Shock me at all. <laughs> Pat is the worst, though, but he's only run 10, but 0.7. I would guess yeah. a lot of those are garbage time with like Thanasis or Bobby Portis. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Dante, not a point guard. Yeah. No. Yeah, I'll say that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that he's not gonna develop, but I just I don't I don't think a, he's as of now, yeah, I, I'm trying to be fair here, Ty. As fair, of okay. now, Dante, not a point guard. Also, this confirms my theory that Pat's more of a two than a four, but that's that's other news. So I think, you know, again, getting back to the main topic of like, what do we want to see? I want to see more of all of these plays, like not the Dante ones, but like more. I want to see Giannis in pick and rolls more on both ends because I do. And this is actually a historical thing that I've dug into before, like a lot of seasons. Giannis ends up with a crazy high points per possession as plays where that are logged as him as the ball handler and pick and rolls. And I do think whenever you can do something that's just weird, defenses struggle with it. And like we've seen Denver spam this. Best wishes to Jamal Murray on your recovery. But like Jokic running pick and rolls with Murray as the screener, it like breaks teams because who's ready for that? Like you mentioned with Forbes, like if you switch, Giannis can pummel the little guy if you you know drop back to stop Giannis from rampaging to the rim the little guy is an open shot and obviously you know if you stick to the shooter then Giannis has an open lane of the basket and you can't do that so I want to see Giannis on both ends of pick and rolls more and I want to see Drew specifically but Drew and Chris kind of handling the ball on some of those more and I know you know, I'm fine with running even more Brooke Lopez pick and rolls. I'm just, I'm a pick and roll guy. I'm a big fan of the action. I think it's good. And I think the Bucks need to work those in all sorts of them in place of some of these ugly possessions where like, and everyone on the team is guilty of this. So I don't even want to single out anyone. I usually say Dante and Brooke Lopez because those are the most egregious shots, but like Drew Holiday had some pretty questionable ISOs late in the Suns game where like 
early shot clock not open, he pulls. And it's like you want to just give a guy like that the benefit of the doubt because he's so effective, but also run a play and you can get a much better look for a player that good or better, and that's the better outcome. And that's I just want to see the Bucks be more judicious in how they use possessions. For sure. One thing I will say to be fair to the coaching staff. Who am I today? Wow, yeah. This is weird. Uh, <laughs> we've seen those sort of actions that they have. I mentioned this on a previous pod. I don't remember when. Um, but I one time saw a beautiful action where Giannis was used as a screener, popped, and then immediately flowed into a Chris Giannis pick and roll as the roller, and they got an open shot in like three different areas they had. So those they know that they know what those can do. I wonder if they're saving it a bit. We better see a whole lot in the playoffs then, because we've seen this flip, the switch thing is a fallacy for this team. We've seen it. And we, we tried to sell ourselves in the bubble. If all oh, they look flat, but they'll figure it out. They didn't figure it out. So I, and I, I get, I think there's a growing sentiment of like from Bucks fans and Bucks watchers of like, we need to see more of this, beforehand because the, the, the exact same situation last year in the bubble and it did not go well for the Bucks, who dropped game one decisively to Orlando came That's back game and handled magic, business though. fair came back and handled business but then obviously you know got rolled by the heat so we need to see it before then so I get saving it to an extent and you know what save the beautiful actions save that stuff maybe run that to end the game instead of Chris in the near side corner for once which I just can't handle that anymore. And again, anymore. we've we've seen that, like the Clippers game, the 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 play Drew drew up. Yeah, mean? yeah. Like we've like they know they exist. Like, great point. Coach uh, of the year candidate Drew Holiday. He might honestly, like <laughs> who knows? He might be player coach. Is Bud a shadow figure? If only. That's, um, that's the new conspiracy. No, they'd have to they'd have to look better for that to be a conspiracy. Um, I'd, I'd like to see it. I'd like again, the late game execution has been bad. Running some of this stuff then could fix it, and like keep it simple with the pick and rolls. Like you know, a Drew, a standard Drew Giannis space pick and roll. Like teams are going to plan for that whether you're running it a lot or not. Like I don't think there's that much benefit to saving that. If you want to save the pretty play where Giannis flows off of and then they rescreen and some of that for some, you know, closer moments to surprise people, fine, but I want to see more than like 1.3 Giannis pick and rolls per game. Like that's for sure. you're not no one's going to be like, you know, stunned, flabbergasted on the court if like they see Giannis roll to the rim. Like everyone's going to be ready for it. I just think teams are like preparing for it and then realizing the Bucks don't do it. And they're like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And also, I guess uh, no one on the team can really throw lobs. So that might be an option, except Chris to Brooke Lopez, except that only works in quarters one through three. <laughs> <laughs> so if if they can figure out how to weaponize that in sort of uh, getting Chris to throw uh, passes he could make earlier in the game, later in the game, that'd be wild. That would be wild. We gotta, we gotta work on. Let's get to Chris because I, I have a Chris thing for both sides of the ball. I want to start with defense actually because you know I had the uh, the dubious honor of defending some of the Bucks stock market valuations after last night's game, and there was a contingency of Bucks fans upset that Chris Middleton did not get an up stock for his late game heroics, despite I think. Overall, a pretty pedestrian offensive game. He made two threes, and those are the two threes people cared about, which is good. You want to see him make the shots that matter, but like you can make other shots too. That's yeah. also an option. It floated through the rest of the game. Not a great overall game on the offensive end. And defensively, there just continues to be issues with Chris on defense. And this is not our bias against Chris. We've said this a lot. We love Chris Middleton. Want to We're see Chris, Chris Middleton, Middleton, guys? We're not biased against Chris. Come on. First team All NBA. We were talking about earlier this year. I wanted him to start in the All Star game. <laughs> he wanted him to. I wasn't there, but Rohan wanted him to start in the All Star game. And actually, I, I, I think I almost talked myself into it. But it was December. Chris was a different animal. Yeah, really. Or um, January, I should say. Yes, the defense has just been an issue. And I think earlier in the Suns game, I thought it was pretty solid, and he looked like he had a little more juice rebounding. But then more times later, you just see like. Want like losing his man off ball for no real reason. Obviously, Devin Booker just filleted him on that Bridges three I mentioned earlier. And that was like people are arguing, like, was it PJ Tucker's fault or Dante's fault or Drew Holiday's fault or Pat Cotton's fault? Well, it was Chris's the fault first. Screen's fault. Yeah. Um, it was Chris's fault first for getting 
burn that bad. And then after that, you're going to be in probably a bad situation no matter what. So, but it wasn't just that one play. And the numbers bear this out. The Bucks defense with Chris on the floor is pretty much the worst that it is. And I don't have that number ready, but it's not good. But I know their number with Chris off the floor, their defensive rating is 103.6 points. Is a higher number good, Ty? That's what I've been told. Uh, the Orlando Magic will disagree. But and CJ McCollum's and And, and uh, whatever McCollum. But a defensive rating you want to be low like golf. That's how I think about it. It's like golf. You want a low number. So they allow 103.6 points per 100 possessions when Chris is not out there. That's by far the Bucks defense at its best when you just isolate for like any one players not being out there. The next closest is Brooke Lopez, which probably surprises very few people who play close attention to the Bucks. When he's not out there, the Bucks have a defensive rating of 106.6. So three full points per 100 possessions difference between Chris and Brooke Lopez's minutes. So it's like when he's not out there, the Bucks have been like an incredible defense. When he's out there, they've been not that good. And I'll pull up the number now, but like I, I just think it's noticeable. And it's just an issue, especially coupled with, again, he'll have 14 points through three quarters. It's like if you're going to be scoring that little and adding like four assists or whatever, bring some verve defensively. Like you don't have this massive offensive load. We need to see more on defense from Chris Middleton. For sure. For sure. This is just, it's, and I'm getting sick and tired of talking about the Chris Middleton uh, sort of coming in and out of games sort of experience that we've been, uh, we've been growing accustomed to the last couple of years. Uh, and especially, especially this year, I'd say, uh, considering yeah. what you mentioned earlier in the sense that we know what he can do and that if he's actually putting like full, full defensive effort, this would, that would take this team over the top. Because then you have three elite, like Chris used to be an elite defender. Maybe yeah. not elite. Elite's a strong, or maybe I'm wrong. No, he was an elite defender. I'd say he was an elite. He was looked at as an elite three and D player for a few years there. Yeah. Like, and part of that is the elite defense. So yeah. like, he used to be insane on the defensive end. And it's just, it's sort of fallen off. Like the tools are still there. Obviously like he's gotten in better shape. It's not like he's gotten like sort of worse athletically. So he's lost a step or anything. He's just, He's just not there, and I don't know what it's going to take to get him there, but he hasn't been there, and it's it needs to change. It really does. One interesting thing I was looking at with regard to Chris' defense is how his stocks change. Not our stocks, but steals and blocks. So these are not perfect measures by any means of defense, but they do give you an idea of just like activity. They're on hustle that plays. End. Yeah, and I just think like it's still good to block shots and get steals. It doesn't, you know, the block leader is not the best defensive big guy in the league by default. Neither but, are rebounding leaders. Shouts <laughs> to that one voter, Andre Drummond, baby. Um, but it does it does tell you something. So like 2014-15, Chris had 2.8 stocks, so steals and blocks per 100 possessions. The next year, 15-16, he had 2.6. The year after that, 2.7. Then 2017-18, 2.4. Then starting his first All Star year, 2018-19, so the first Bud season. 1.7, 1.5, 1.8 stocks per 100 possessions. And really, like, the blocks are not changing by a ton, but the steals. So Chris's heyday, 2.6 and then 2.3 twice in a row, steals per 100 possessions. The last three years have been 1.6, 1.3, and 1.6. So he's just not making that impact on those numbers or on the overall defense. And I have it now. The Bucks' defensive rating with Chris on is 110.8. And like I said, with him off, it's 103.7. So they, their defense changes dramatically for the worse in his minutes. They've also actually had a better net rating with Chris off, but that I'm not exactly buying. I don't. I think that's a little noisy, but it does have to do, I think, with the change in, in the level of defense they play with him on the floor. For sure. For sure. You can't argue against that. Like part of, I've said this before, energy and effort is uh, necessary, but not sufficient. It's necessary for a team, but it's not enough to be a scheme. Uh, so it's it definitely plays a part into that so chris really that's something like getting back to their their topic that's something i want to see just more more effort from chris on the defensive end and we need to see it we really do yeah and i feel like it's it poked through a little bit more lately but just not it enough did. like like you mentioned the suns game like at the beginning he looked locked in he looked like oh this devin booker assignment i'm gonna take this and i'm gonna just i'm gonna do my best like to have that mentality like the entire time against every team 
just you you can't take any games off it it takes it takes a lot for this team to aspire to do what they want to do and what people expect them to do so you can't you can't just be lazy when trying to achieve your dreams that's Espe- just, wow that's just philosophical yeah it's inspirational but i think especially when we talked about less offensive load for chris recently because of the addition of drew it's also less defensive load he's not asked and this really was the case last year too with west matthews but it's not like he's being asked to guard the best player you know for 48 straight minutes he's going to end up in a tough situation probably against brooklyn unless the bucks try to hide him we'll see what happens if we get to that series But, like, Drew, I mean, there was a great story by Eric Name about, like, the end of the Suns game and how Drew basically fought to be on Booker. It didn't work out because I don't even want to get into the foul call. Phoenix Suns fans are very upset with me. But, like, Drew— Why are they upset with you? Because I said it shouldn't have been called. I just— they on. found a camera angle 45 minutes after the play happened that makes it look like there's contact. So, of course, it was the right call to call a foul on a shot with 0.3 seconds to go. Of course, that was the right decision. Um, non-biased just, opinions at all. You got to just take – when that happens, you just got to take it and run. Just Yeah, I, I, I don't get why – like, don't don't be salty when you win the – there's like, just take the W and enjoy it. But I, I digress. Um, but Drew is fighting for these assignments and, like, fighting through switches and screens to, like, stick on the best players. So – it's not like Chris is being asked to guard Devin Booker for a whole game. He's just going to end up with good players on him, and he just needs to be better when that is the case. And, and just off ball, it's just like falling asleep on the Jay Crowders of the world. That it just can't happen. It just cannot happen. And like Giannis still might be the worst offender, but Chris is right up there with him. And at least Giannis is like theoretically going to go accomplish something via help defense. Like he's such a pterodactyl terror swooping in on possessions and just ruining them. Chris is kind of just loafing around. It's like when you level up a Pokemon that you traded for too high before you have enough gym badges. And sometimes it's just like, you know, Charizard is is loafing around this turn. That's Chris on defense too often. It's just like, come on, man. That's come the on. You greatest gotta... comparison I've ever heard. Chris is Charizard. <sighs> loafing around Charizard, to be clear. And, and you know what? Let's just, I, I think this is one of our last big topics, maybe our last big topic. I want to see a different Chris offensively and like more consistent would be great. I just, I think we're, we're trying to target things that are more in the team's control with this list, right? Like Mm. be better would be a great tip for everyone involved, but it's hard to just set out to be better one day and magically be better. Um, Unfortunately, unless you're in a Tedekupo. (laughs) You know what? Yeah. The Nasas might be like the 50th best player in the league by the time we get to the finals, but there's a way uh, already. No, that's um, an off season idea of player rankings. Just, just, you just want to do that to figure out where Thanasis is. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, we might actually end up doing that, but anyway, yes, it would be good if Chris was consistent and just had less three for 16 games or whatever. That obviously is true. We're not going to spend a lot of time on that. Cause like, I don't know what exactly the adjustment is for that. Aside again, just like be better, please do. But here's a more concrete thing. I want Chris to take more threes. And I, I, this is something I keep thinking about with all the buzz around Steph Curry and his number of 10, 10 threes made in a game games. Like he has more this season than any player has in their careers, I believe is the state. Yep. I think within the last like month, he has nearly as many as number two on the list, Clay Thompson, has in his career. I think Steph has four in the last few weeks. Clay has five ever. Wild. Get Absolutely him to Milwaukee, wild. man. Get yeah. him. Let, free let, Steph. Free Steph. Uh, bring bring Steph to hey, Lake Michigan. He's extension eligible this summer. Sign Let's and trade that. extension. Sign and extend. Let's do it. Um, but am I expecting Chris to go have, you know, five, ten? threes made in a game games this month. No, it's unrealistic, but Chris does not shoot enough threes. And I just think it's fine that, you know, he had his little blood power struggle and got the ability to shoot more middies. I don't have a problem with that, but I just think more plays should be run for Chris as a shooter. I don't understand. And we've talked on this before, like the bucks run Bryn Forbes threes plays often when Bryn Forbes is out there and they don't really run them for Portis sometimes, but like, Bobby Portis ends up shooting a good amount of threes when he's on the floor. He gets out to the corners, whatever. Why not run more plays for Chris to shoot threes and like engineer those looks? 
Chris Middleton is 28th among three-point percentage this season among all players to shoot at least 25 threes. And that's a low bar. So 28th on that list is good. Tony Snell is first at like 54%, 57%. Yeah, but he shot less first than 100 50-50, 100-season inbound. I would love it for, for him. But so Chris, a very good shooter based on volume. And we, we know this. This is obvious. One of the better three-point shooters in the league at the volume he shoots at. Do you know, and I know you know of the doc, but do you know where he ranks in number of attempted total threes this season? Attempted total threes? Like, yes. Obviously, I know what the answer is, but yeah. if I were to say that ahead of time, I would have probably said somewhere in probably like the 70s. Oh, I would have guessed 20s or 30s probably. There's only so many shooters who take a lot. It just doesn't feel like he takes that many. Well, yeah, he's 53rd among all players this season in attempted threes. And what blew my mind was he's tucked right behind Kyrie Irving, who's att- who has attempted one more three-pointer and played 400-plus less minutes this season than Chris. So Kyrie, who again, and, and this season is weird for the Nets because obviously they've been down so many guys, but like... I mean, we know Kyrie likes to shoot, but he's got so much star talent on his team. He's probably taking less shots than he has over the last few seasons, like per game, because there's, again, there's Kevin Durant and James Harden and all these other players. Kyrie Irving in 400 less minutes has attempted less threes. And Kyrie is another guy who's like known for being a mid-range and off-the-glass artist. Like, it's not like Kyrie is Joe Ingles out here taking all the shots from threes, but there's no point in having a three-point shooter as dangerous as Chris Middleton and not having him put up top 50 in the league three-point attempts. Like, they need to get him more threes, and I just think that could maybe help with the overall offensive consistency issue for Chris. Yeah, it really could. It really could, especially it's 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 really funny in that uh, you mentioned this. We go from Chris taking a lot of threes and be like, "Oh man, you should shoot more mid rangers," and now he's shooting all his mid rangers. Oh, Chris, you should take more threes. Like, it's it's funny. Like, and all of those points have been valid. It's funny how things sort of change as uh, as time moves on. Uh, wow, I'm being really philosophical. Here. I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm really thinking about life today. Yeah. Um. Got to always think. I I gotta stop. Uh, but. But yeah, I, I completely agree. Chris, we talked about this on a previous episode, like Chris more in a catch and shoot role, not in that regard, like, oh, he should strictly be a catch and shoot guy, but like get him more catch and shoot opportunities. Like he doesn't need to create every single one of his shots, get him some unassisted shots. Like they have Drew, they have Giannis as other creators on the floor. You don't need to have, uh, you don't need to have Chris create every single one of his own shots. So if you get him more in a catch and shoot scenario, pardon me, it's uh, it's going to be lethal for uh, the Bucks considering he is one of the best shooters in the league in terms of volume. So just just getting better shooters, like more open looks and easier looks, is easier said than done. But it's possible, and it's it's definitely possible for Chris Middleton. Would you consider spot up or off screen the better play type measure for like moving off ball and shooting? Moving off ball, probably off screen. Off screen, that's what I'm thinking. I'm just going to pull up the total and just see where he ranks because I can't imagine it's much. Steph leads the league. So again, it doesn't have to be a player who's not capable offensively. Like you can, You're allowed to make life easier, even for good players. Like You don't have to do this. Um, yeah, this looks like a good measure because I see Joe Harris up here near the top with 124, Steph with 205. I see KD on this list. Let's just search Middleton. Uh, oh, here he is, 78 of these. So oh, it's not as not as low as I thought, right under Evan Fournier. So uh, it doesn't make up a lot of his frequency and overall looks, just 7.2%. But there's certainly room for more of that. Let's make Chris's life a little easier. And again, this is another thing where if we determine one of the optimal plays is a pick and roll where you know Drew is the ball handler and Giannis is the role man, what does that leave for Chris? I think there's better answers than... He stands in the corner and waits like he could be running off of a screen at the same time to come around the back and be like a pop option. Like there's a lot to be done there, but let's let's dig into it and explore this. For sure. For sure. It's just like it's what we talked about with defense too. just constant motion. You need to have that, especially with a guy like Chris Middleton. Like you can do it. You can do it at the defensive end. We've seen you do it. You can also do it on the offensive end. Your load has been drastically reduced. So go for it. Yeah, for sure. I'm getting distracted. Have you seen this news that just came in? Uh, is it the Harden news? Yeah, James Harden could be out closer to the start of a playoffs in a month 
due to a setback with his hamstring. Isn't KD also out? Is that a hamstring yep. or is that something else? It's a, It was a thigh contusion or something. Oh, so, so that shouldn't be as serious, but... It's just more concerns about the Nets being at full strength. And this, I, I do, I'm just getting Raptors vibes from this year in terms of like some team might kind of stumble into a really good opportunity and they should just take, make the most of it. So that's why I think it really crystallizes how important it is for the Bucks to, you know, optimize themselves as much as possible. Because even for the people who think they're not up to the snuff of being able to win a championship this year, weird things happen in the playoffs and you always want to make the most of every Giannis season. So by doing these things, figuring out Giannis and pick and rolls, optimizing Chris, poking him with a stick and telling him to do stuff on defense, like the the meme format, uh, and seeing more of these P.J. Tucker lineups, these are ways the Bucks could get ready to make the most out of that kind of an opportunity. For sure. We have 15 games left in the regular season. We've got uh, this uh, this upcoming week, like two Philly matchups back-to-back. Like that's going to be really interesting. So Look for these things. That's your that's your homework assignment, listeners. Uh, just take everything we said and see see if you can spot these. See if you can spot more and let us know what you yeah. think. And sure. I was going to say before the Philly games, even let us know what it, what do you want to see? What what should we what should we have covered that we forgot or, or didn't think of? And maybe we can when we reconvene later on this week, we can circle back and, and hit on some of the other good topics that that we may have missed this episode. For sure, for sure. So we've got. Uh, we, we covered a lot in this episode. Yeah. We? We're just getting distracted by hardened notifications. <laughs> so <laughs> closer to the play, I mentioned, like, obviously you want teams to be at full strength, but I did mention this on a locker room episode. And, like, counting on Brooklyn to be full strength is not a guarantee. It's dicey. Even all. Philly, to be honest. Yeah. Like, what have we ever gotten a full playoff run for Embiid where he's able to play every game at, at his normal minute? I don't think so. So, nope. again, it's we're not rooting for this by any means, Obviously. but it's just something to think about of, like, there could be more of an opportunity than it seems here. The Bucks need to tighten up and be ready to seize whatever they can get because sometimes you never know how many opportunities you're going to get. I'll put it that way. For sure, for sure. Do we, have, uh, do we have anything else we need to cover on this episode? I think that about does it. Okay. Oh, shoot. Got to do Choose Your Fighter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I believe it's my turn, right? Yes. Oh, that's what oh, I can scroll down and see that it's my turn. Uh, <laughs> so we haven't done this in a bit. We've been doing a little like segmented episodes, which is good. It's great content. But uh, on these longer episodes, we can sort of get this choose your fighter back. So again, I got to come back. I got to get the long prelude. Oh, it's got to happen. So not today is a bad example. It's not very warm outside. It hasn't been warm outside for the past week. But we have gotten glimpses of summertime, haven't we, Ty? We have. I can confirm. Shouts to shouts to climate change. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a lot of clips in this episode. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, it's your first day, sort of experiencing the warmth. I'm going to give you three options of what you can do here, Todd. Mm. You can stay inside. You can sort of like open your windows or do whatever you want to inside. You could go outside and sort of like if you if you have the opportunity, like go on a balcony, go out on your porch, just, you know, close to home, just like have a beer or something. Or you can go and do uh, things like by the beach or something. What are you choosing? Not the last one. I'm not a beach guy. I don't swim. Uh, Not a swimmer, not a beach guy. I've tried to learn how to swim. I just sink. Uh, I don't think my my line now is like I'll, I'll double back to swimming. Once I experience all the land there is to experience, I've got a lot to go. So I'm not going to say the beach. So it was, it's staying inside or doing like a local, like a, a, a backyard or patio type deal. Yeah. Definitely the second one. This is something I've become huge on. I think I tweeted about this a couple of weeks ago that like it's having the first cookout of the year and it's been the last one for a while because, you know, like you said, it got cold. Uh, and this was just like a, you know, myself and my girlfriend cookout. It wasn't like a huge event. This is pre-vax in this household, but just getting out there, grilling up some brats, having a couple beers in the backyard, maybe having a fire, sitting on the patio furniture. So nice. It just, it, it hits different. This this was kind of, this was an easy one. I'll I'll say that. Are you going with the same? Yeah, that's the best option by far. Getting with family and friends too and being able to do it. I'm looking so forward to having cookouts, man. I love cookouts. Yeah. Or, you know, like sometimes, you know, you just want to vibe on your own too. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Just sit out yeah. there and chill, take in some nature, get like a nice iced tea or something and just watch Ooh. the sunset when it's warm out. Wow. That's perfect. A lemonade. 
Ooh. Or mix them and Arnie Palmer. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. An Arnold Palmer. Perfect. Spike it if you want to. There you go. Now Perfect. we're circled back to being on brand. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's the goal. That's the goal. I'm really looking forward to that season again. We got it. It was, it was a tease. It was a tease. It was. It's been, it's been tough ever since it went away, but just knowing that we have more of that in store is getting me through some of these 40 degree and chilly days and windy. I'll, I'll tell you that. Like, I'm just like, I can, I can taste putting on my brightly colored shorts and white socks and tennis shoes and standing outside by the grill with a beer in hand. That's the your socksiest thing I've ever heard. The socksiest? Yeah, what color were your socks? White. I don't get it. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'll own it. Sorry. We are who we it are. The color, it was the colored shorts that did. No, I know. I know. That's fair. That was the year socks. Yes. Wow. Next I, level. I, as you can tell, my brain is a little. A little out there today, but I think it's been gold. We might have to we might have to get you vaxxed before more pods because I feel like we've tapped into something here. Just get me just absolutely exhausted. <laughs> that's the that's the play here. I see how it is. Uh maybe oh no, we don't have any more 9 p.m. starts. Thank goodness. Yeah. So maybe not, maybe not for a while here. Um, but that is motivation. What we just talked about, it's motivation for everyone to stay safe so we can have those moments out there. Again, I mentioned this at the top. If you have any questions about vaccine efficacy, safety, make sure to hit me up. Uh, I will do my best to direct you to uh, credible resources. And I will say as a general thing, thank you for listening to this episode of the Eurostep here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. If you did enjoy this show, show it. Leave a rating on Apple. Tweet it to us. Uh, we love seeing those sort of things. And if you're not on Apple, sure, make an account. Do it. Cook the books. But you know, just subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen to. Have make we sure dropped? That. Sorry, have we dropped the Twitter ads this episode? We keep telling people to contact us. We got to make sure we give oh, them yeah. the avenues. Okay, go for it. At Ty Windish, T I W I N D I S C H on Twitter is me at R Cotty Junior. R Cotty R K A T T I J R is Rohan, and at Eurostep Podcast is the podcast. So tweet at any or all of those three. And you'll be getting to us. And we, we love to hear from the listeners. So drop us a line. For sure. Like we said earlier, I gave you guys a homework assignment. And yeah. you guys got to come through. Got to come through. Uh, but on a general, you know, make sure you're checking out all of the great content across the entire Blue Wire Podcast Network. As I said earlier, please stay safe. And we will talk to you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.